Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. The days when you don't feel like showing up to the gym is when you need to the most. It is in those disheartening corners of discomfort where you need to push forward because life is a series of doing things that you don't necessarily want to do. This program features the work of 2012 writer Nick Wong. Curator Sean Wong spoke with him in an interview. And how did you come to the sport of boxing? Well, I've always been kind of drawn to the sport, but I didn't really take it seriously until I was about 20. It was after I had gotten out of a relationship, and I just needed to set my mind on something. Boxing is actually very, very boring, the training part, and it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. But if you do enjoy that repetition, there's something very peaceful about it. And the gym environment itself is very welcoming. So I kind of got snagged onto those things. In 2007, I won this fellowship to travel. Eight months is the minimum, so you can go for a lot longer. I went for 18 months. And I only stayed in Latin America, but I had never really set out to do what I did. I mean, I had planned to box because a lot of great champions come from a lot of the countries that I was going to visit. So I was like, I want to meet these people, you know, and, and, and find out about, you know, industry of boxing and everything. But as the trip evolved, you know, slowly things started to take its own life form. You know, I started asking them questions. And before I knew it, I started, like, creating an interview sheet. You know, so I kind of broke the rules a little bit because I was starting to do this, uh, almost this research project. But it's just I wanted to know so much about the people that were in the boxing gym, and it gave me a window to see into the country itself. How has that experience traveling for 18 months changed your life? It's, it's changed my life in a lot of different ways. I mean, there were many times in this trip where I felt like quitting, where I just felt like, you know, what am I doing? You know, so I guess one thing that I really learned about myself was how much I really believed in this project and the things that I was willing to go through for it. I think that's what I love about boxing. You're kind of pushed into a corner, especially when you're in the ring, because you can't really escape. And you're asked these questions of yourself. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to give up or are you going to try to fight? Are you going to try to survive? And I mean, it's very, very metaphorical for life. Now we'll hear a selection from Nick's live reading. So the first piece that I'm going to read is something that I just wrote this last week. And it's a tepid introduction into the world of boxing, but it's more about the questions that are asked when you choose to enter that journey. And it's called uh, The Question of Courage. Boxing strips crude notions of courage down to its barest principles. It asks of us the most fundamental of questions. How would you fare in a contest of unarmed combat? But the question stems beyond the simple notion of bettering another person in a match of fistic competition. Any idiot at the bar can raise their hands and slug it out in a moment of heightened emotions and an unchecked ego. Instead, boxing asks a series of questions. Questions about character, about the right to call yourself a fighter, and there is an ocean of difference between a fighter and a person who fights. For many years, boxing has topped most experts' lists as the toughest sport in the world. It also has one of the highest rates of turnover. Most who scurry into a gym fresh off witnessing the latest boxing extravaganza on television are gone within days. Where were the blazing fast fists, the back and forth action? Where was all the drama? Contrary to the exciting glitz of a bloody brawl, 
A boxer's regimen is incredibly boring. You might spend an entire month learning how to properly throw one punch, and there is a guarantee of at least three rounds of skipping rope in the exact same spot every time you enter the gym. Learning the first steps in boxing is repetitive. Graduating to the next is painful. Repetition and pain. Two things necessary in mastering any craft. Also two things most people find unbearable. But fighting pushes you to the extreme limits of being human. It is in those moments of pain and confusion that you discover your true nature. Some answers revealed between the ropes are welcome surprises. Others would rather remain secrets. Will you fight or will you run? Do you stay down or get up? All the romantic fantasies of championship glory that festered in pugilistic daydreams are tested at a brutal reality. A good left hook in the ribs will bring you back down to earth much faster than most things. They are constant and painful mile markers of how far you are and how much further you have to go. Each bone-crunching, jaw-snapping blow will ask you, how bad do you want it? It is here that the body begins to make compromises. The excuses are enticing, and quitting becomes a reasonable option. But there is a quote on the wall of my boxing gym that stares at its inhabitants. When you're good at making excuses, it's difficult to excel at anything else. The days when you don't feel like showing up to the gym is when you need to the most. It is in those disheartening corners of discomfort where you need to push forward because life is a series of doing things that you don't necessarily want to do. It is when life consumes every morsel of strength, every ounce of will, that it matters most to stare defeat in the eyes and say, I'm here. I'm still here. With time, the questions begin to morph, the terms renegotiated, and the definitions redefined. Winning or losing become irrelevant. Courage is just about asking the question and seeking the answer. Courage is merely about showing up and fighting well. And when any fighter looks back on a finished career of any capacity, there is always one fight that stands above the rest. There is always one fight where they ask themselves those final questions. When the time came, did you put in your all? Did you show up for your fight? Did you show up? So I just returned from Colombia like two months ago. And Colombia was a very special place for me because it was the place where I spent the most time. And I spent a considerable amount of time in the capital, Bogota, uh, training with the national boxing team. And the interesting thing about this team is that most of these guys are not from the city. They're from all these different parts of Colombia, and they have to compete in national tournaments to audition for a place on this team. Because being part of this team meant that you had um, a living stipend, you had access to education, you had housing, you had food. But on the other end, they had to kind of give up something. They had to box every single day. They had to go around and do these boxing shows. And um, probably most importantly was that they had to be away from their families for a long time. Um, about six weeks into the journey, they asked me if I wanted to accompany them to a Pan American tournament in Venezuela. And um, in doing that, I got to be around these guys in close quarters. I was living with them, traveling with them. And I got to really know them a lot more. I got to see their character. I got to find out what mattered to them in their lives. And I could say that I called them my friends. So when I went back uh, two months ago, the first thing that they asked me was like, you know, oh, where's your book? You know, where can we read our stories? And, 
That's what I told them because otherwise, you know, I was I was asking them these very personal questions and putting a voice recorder in their face. So I'd be like, oh, I'm writing a book. Um, but when they when they when they asked me that, I kind of, you know, shuffled my feet and I was kind of like, Ugh. you know, I haven't written it yet. It's, you know, I made all these excuses, but I told them that I wrote a chapter about them and that I had shared it with people, which was kind of a lie because I did, I did write a chapter, but I didn't really share it with too many people. So I want to read an excerpt from that chapter now so I can kind of keep a promise to them. Um, in this story, there's two fighters that I mentioned, Cesar and Pitalua. And both these guys, they gave up a lot to be on this team and to go to this tournament in Venezuela. And I wanted to read the first piece because these questions were also asked about of them. And I kind of want to show how they responded. The value of two weeks varies from person to person. For me, the decision to take this two-week stint in Venezuela meant, well, really two weeks in one country rather than another. Being housed and fed with the fighters and bumming bus rides with the team, this trip hadn't cost me much outside of time. But for many of the fighters, time equals money. Two weeks meant half a month's salary, which for most of them is the Colombian minimum wage, or 250,000 pesos about $150. For a young kid supporting his family members, this was a considerable chunk of cash. Time cost money. Time was a gamble. I remember sitting outside on the curb waiting for the bus to take us to the final round of the tournament. I noticed Cesar slumped over with a sullen look on his face, as if he had heard some bad news from back home. On quite the contrary, he had just received word that he was soon going to be the proud father of a baby girl. The problem was that he wouldn't be able to make it to her expected date of birth. I asked him if he felt it was worth missing out on two weeks' salary at the eve of his child's birth to fight at this tournament. Right now, not so much, because I came in third place, he told me. We'll see at the next tournament. Amateur fighters are not paid to compete. They forego employment to venture to tournaments for a way to build their resume. National titles are a fighter's work experience. They give promoters a selling point when an amateur fighter finally turns pro, or perhaps an opportunity for a novice pugilist to one day compete for the coveted Olympic gold. In this sense, the business of boxing begins to dawn on young fighters early. No longer is the sport recreational. Stakes begin to manifest as a young man matures seriously into the trade. Unlike travelers such as myself, they can't say the experience alone was worth it. For them, time counts, every moment, every fight. It reminded me of my training sessions in Bogota. After each one, the coaches threw down nutrition bars to the fighters, half as a reward, half to replenish the body. I never got one. <laughs> At first, I wondered why. After all, I had gone through the same drills, taken the same punches, and fought the same fight. In some sense, we were the same, weren't we? Training in the gyms of all the places I visited, I wanted to have the barrier of my nationality disappear, be seen as simply another fighter. I sweated side by side with these guys, fought with them, bled with them, collapsed in exhaustion with them, all in an effort to become closer, just to be part of the team. But I wasn't. In the end, I wasn't obligated to wake up every morning away from my family. In the end, I had choices, and the ability to choose makes all the difference. The sweet science was a hobby, not my way out or to make it for my family. In the end, I was still a visitor. Sensing a somber mood between the two of us, Cesar preoccupied about his unborn daughter, me concerned with my legitimacy as a boxer, 
Pitalua chimed in on the conversation, encouraging us to cheer up with some jokes and light shoulder slapping. He didn't have a child, but he knew what it was like to be physically and emotionally distant from family, even suggesting that his mother had never wanted him in the first place. He played it off as a good riddance, but in reality, the brief show of bravado was to cope with the pain he felt from the time he spent away from his own family. I still remember what he had said to me when we first spoke about why he started and continues in the sport. What's my reason? My family. More than anything, my mother, he told me. She depends on me winning whenever I fight. I want to give them a good future. I want to give them a better life. For them to be okay. At that moment, Peter Lewis seemingly recalled his own words as he suddenly grew quiet in reflection. The three of us sat there in silence, pondering our individual struggles. So what do you say of the life of a boxer? I wondered to them out loud. A hard life, Peter Lewis started. The training is not easy. I've gone two weeks without eating, he exaggerated. <laughs> you have to give up the things you love. Good food, a social life, work, family, Cesar interrupted. That's true, Peter Lua replied. Like the Bogota selection. A lot of these guys have to leave their homes, where they grew up, where everything is familiar and they're put in a place where they don't know anyone. Everything is different. How do you think they feel? He asked rhetorically. Each fighter I met on this trip had a different story. They came from different places, showed up for different reasons. But in the end, this band of young boys had all given up something to try and better their lives. Whether it was Peter Lewis skipping his favorite meal, or Cesar staring down at the ground, guessing the delivery date of his newborn, I realized that the entire sport hinged on one element. If you could sum up the sport in one word, what would you say, I asked them. Sacrifice, Peter Lua replied. Cesar nodded and silently mouthed the same word. Sacrifice. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2012 curator of this program is Sean Wong. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Mo Preventure. Recording engineers are C.J. Lazenby, Tom Stiles, and Mo Preventure. Narrator is Alyssa Keen. And executive director of Jack Straw Productions is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by Rachel Matthews, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Cultural Affairs, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology, available for purchase and featured online at jackstraw.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you.